welcome to the Best Place to Work podcast, where we promise actionable tips from real business leaders on building amazing work cultures. Not tips from Google, but tips from the trenches of real-world businesses just like yours. Today we have serial entrepreneur Doug Burke of Cognitive Medical Solutions, which is a healthcare IT services business based in San Diego, California. They started in 2010 and they have about 50 employees. Uh, One key practice that Doug started early on was being very transparent with the whole company, including financials of the company, future products, that sort of thing. And he's found that to be a significant boost in getting buy-in from his team and building that positive company culture that they have. Let's jump right into the interview with Doug. So, hey, Doug, why don't you tell me a little bit about how Cognitive you know, Medical Systems got started? Um, tell me about the journey of, of yep. the company. Absolutely. So we're about six years old. Um, we were started by four people, uh, two of us who are serial entrepreneurs, myself and the COO, Rick Pope, um, and two of us who come out of uh, a career in Navy healthcare. Um, and that's Dr. Emery Fry and Mary LaCroix. Um, Mary has since retired from the company, so it's just really the three of us that run the company now. Um, Rick and I, uh, so as serial entrepreneurs, you know, we start companies, we take over companies, we get companies funded, we grow them up and we sell them to bigger companies. Um, the last company that we did was a company called Defense Web. Um, we, Rick and I built that company up, we sold it to a big healthcare insurance company called Humana. Um, and after we sold the company, we stayed for our three-year lockup period, and we tried to get Humana to be interested in what we saw as, as one of the futures for healthcare IT, and that is in clinical informatics. And being a large healthcare insurance company, they work with a lot of information, but um, they're kind of focused on their core business, which is insurance, um, and they weren't interested in clinical informatics. So we stayed our three-year lockup period, we doubled the size of the company, and then we politely left and said we we're going to go start our next company. Um, but Rick and I don't have healthcare backgrounds. I mean, the last company was a healthcare company, uh, but we're not clinicians. We don't, you know, we're, you know, haven't served in a healthcare setting in a clinical environment. Um, so we needed a couple of the people who really understood deep clinical information and informatics, and we had done work with these two people, Mary and Emery, while they were on active duty. Uh, in the Navy here in San Diego, um, and they were looking to retire from the Navy and give life to some of the software they had built while they were on active duty. So the four of us got together in late 2010 and decided we'd start Cognitive Medical Systems. And the business model behind the company was that we would bootstrap the company with our own cash, and then we would use government healthcare IT professional services contracts and that would be primarily in the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs because we knew those agencies really well. Mm -hmm. Um, We would use those contracts to continue to bootstrap the company to build our technology talent base, our employees, and ultimately, if we played our cards right, we would try to get the government to fund some of the fundamental research and development in technology that we would need to bring a series of commercial products, healthcare products, to the, to the commercial healthcare market space sometime around year five of the company's life. Okay. Um, so fast forward, we're now in year six. Uh, we've been extremely successful, um, as, as you've seen. Uh, we've got about 50 employees on staff, uh, most of whom are located in San Diego, although we've got employees all over the country, all over the US, and one employee in Germany. Um, and 
We have been successful. About 70% of our business today is with the Department of Veterans Affairs, about 30% with DOD. Um, today, still 100% of our business is in doing professional services, and that's primarily custom software development in healthcare IT for either DOD or VA. But we've also been successful in getting uh, the Department of Defense and Veterans Affairs to pay for some of that fundamental product research and development. And over the last year, we've invested our own money into building our first commercial software product. And that's going quite well, and I can tell you a bit about that if you're interested. Uh, but we're looking to release that product sometime in 2017, probably quarter three in 2017. That's interesting. I think um, I think that, that whole bootstrapping mentality, the whole bootstrapping process, and then growing a team around that is is really interesting, and and I'm really interested in how that has shaped your culture as a company. Because I mean, that's one of the things we want to drill down on is okay, as you're building a company and you have this vision and you have this this plan, and then you're bringing players onto that. Um, I know you guys have done some very instrumental things in that, and like um, I think I've read that some of your employees actually have equity in the company. They have you know yep. they have stock. They have they have a part in this vision to say, hey, we're going to do this step first. Is you know the kind of services contracts that we're going to develop these external products. How has that shaped your the building of the culture, and how have you weaved that into you know building a team? You know, um, we're firm believers that all employees should be owners of the company. So all employees are uh, given stock options and given stock options not only when they first join the company but then over time. Um, we ultimately are, are building this company eventually to sell to a bigger company, um, you know, probably sometime in the next five to 10 years after we start delivering software products. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how the employees will realize liquidity in the stock options and the stock that they have. Um, so everyone knows that sort of upfront coming in, they all are, you know, know that they have a direct relationship with building the value of the company. Everyone knows obviously what they're doing and you know, how they're building that value. The, so we're, we're very passionate about our company culture. Um, we do you know, sort of lots of things for the employees. We've got, of course, like everyone in technology has competitive benefits, you know, salary, 401k, you know, sort of all that stuff, healthcare, um, life insurance, blah, blah, blah. Um, we also um, communicate very regularly with the employees. So every month we have an all hands meeting. Uh, we get all the employees across the US and here in San Diego together. Several times a month we have company fun events. So whether those are happy hours or uh, painting, you know, painting projects or, you know, yeah, outside you know, the office. sort of outside the office, get the employees together. We've got, you know, of course, the standard sort of holiday parties and company picnics and all that kind of stuff. So what where'd you guys get those ideas? I'm curious about that. Being serial entrepreneurs, you guys, it seems like you've kind of this habit of like building companies. You're yeah. good at it. it. Have you learned along the way? Have you seen it done poorly? Because some of these, I mean, some people might say, oh, that's a gimmick, right? Okay, you do these like fun events. I'm, I mean, but where, why, do you, why do you do that and why do you continue to do that? You know, it, it really gives the, the employees, you know, not only a great way to communicate and get to know each other outside of the sort of project they're working on the context, um, but it also just, you know, allows us to further communicate the, the company culture and get feedback from the employees. Um, I've, you know, we having been involved in a number of different companies, both, you know, well run and I've seen a lot of poorly run companies. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot of ideas that seem to work for this type of company. We're also regularly soliciting um, ideas from employees. And let me give you a sort of an example of one where that kind of really worked out. Um, at the last company we defense we did called Defense Web, um, we're you know always asking you know what are what are great ideas that you've seen at other companies about how to enhance the company culture. 
we had uh, a project manager named Kristen who came up to us and said, hey, at the last company I worked at, we had this thing called Waffle Day. And every, you know, once a month, the executives got together and made waffles for the employees. And we're like, really? Did they really like that? You know, or did we, nothing against making waffles for employees, but was that, an, was that something that worked? And she's like, absolutely. It worked really, really well. So we started it. We tried it. And she was absolutely right. People love Waffle Day. So we brought Waffle Day here to Cognitive when we started Cognitive. And about two, maybe two and a half years ago, we started doing Waffle Day. And now once a That's month, great. we have Waffle Wednesday. And the executives make waffles for the staff, and they love it. It's you know, it's just a little thing, but it's it's kind of a, a quirky little thing that we do, and it's a part of our culture. So, it's those types of things that we're always asking our employees, what can we do? Um, early in the company's life, we had um, the ability to let all of our employees bring their dogs in if they wanted to bring their dogs in. Mm-hmm. Um, place that we're currently at um, doesn't allow dogs in the office, but we're moving to a new place uh, in the end of December, beginning of January, that will again allow uh, dogs in the office. So. It's those sorts of things that really, I think, set us apart from other types of companies. We're always interested in what are the best practices around company culture that other companies are doing yeah. that we can bring to Cognitive. That makes sense. How do you guys source that? It sounds like you're getting feedback from your employees, so they're kind of saying, oh, this company that I used to work for did this. You guys are drawing from your personal experiences at companies you started before. Are there any other methods you use to kind of solicit that best practice? <laughs> You know, we're always looking for just what we hear in the industry. So the, the San Diego Best Places to Work survey, you know, we look at what other, you know, they give sort of feedback about what are all the categories and what other companies are doing. When we go to those events, we're talking to other private companies and, you know, smaller companies and fast growing companies about what they're doing, what's working, what's not working. Uh, you know, I've got a networking group of other CEOs that you know, I get together with on a regular basis to sort of talk about what problems are they having, what's working in their company culture. And, you know, we just... We're always looking around for new and interesting ideas. Yeah. So being in front of other CEOs, other leaders, that's that's a vital part of, of building that culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about this. You know, I know I read about you guys being very transparent with um, the details of the company, even sharing like the P&L sheet, um, yep. all of that. Has that always been the case since the beginning? Um, and has there been any negative effects of that? or? No, um, it's always been the case since the beginning. Um, it's something that we – so – I've you know, run a number of companies. This is my eighth startup company. Um, probably three companies ago, maybe four companies ago, I started doing it. I became much more transparent. Um, as a part of the, your normal sort of corporate governance process, I'm a big believer in board reports and quarterly board meetings. So every quarter, once we close the quarter, I guess it's in the following quarter, but once we close last quarter, um, we'll create a board of directors report. Um, we'll, you know, it's a physical document. It contains all your sort of standard stuff, key performance indicators, P&L, balance sheet, cash flow, all that sort of stuff. And a, and a dialogue about, you know, what the company did right last quarter, what the company did wrong, how we're tracking to the strategic goals for the year. Um, we'll then take that. We'll provide that. We'll do the board, the, the quarterly board meeting. We'll then provide a summary of that to the board of advisors, which serves as our sort of strategic um, board, if you will, as opposed to board of directors, which is really sort of fiduciary responsibility. Um, we'll then take a summary, we'll take that same summary and we'll do our quarterly all hands meeting. Um, and what we'll, as, as, so we do an all hands meeting every month, but we do one a quarter, which is focused on how we did the last quarter. And then we'll present all that information to the staff um, and allow them to ask any question. We're very transparent. That's great. Um, we want being owners in the company, we want them to have full information. Um, and sometimes, it, you know, so the, I guess the only negative feedback is sometimes we get a little bit in the weeds with the financials. 
Um, ultimately, one of our greatest passions is to create other entrepreneurs. So if, if you as an employee of Cognitive want to create a business, a software, you know, presumably a software business, want to create a software business, we would love to work with you and tell you exactly how it's done. So you want a lot more information about how cash flow statements are put together or what we're investing our discretionary profit dollars in, we're more than happy to, to work with you and tell you about that. It's been, you know, at DefenseWeb, I think we had six or seven people go off and create their own companies afterwards. And uh, that's, a, that's a great feeling to sort of um, help mentor the next generation of entrepreneurs. And uh, we want to do that. Do you think that's a, a mindset difference from some C- CEOs that would be like, oh, no, that's a risk. You know, I'm going to lose my, last pe- my best people. Um, but kind of a short-sighted. I mean, tell me about that. I mean, is, is that a something you guys have talked it, about? Yeah, I think I think some people view it as potentially a threat. You know, we're sort of enabling our potential future competition, or you know, making the employees leave. But I think in reality, if if an employee is an entrepreneur, at some point they're going to leave anyway and to create their own company. Um, so you you really can't control that. All you can do is sort of enable them. To, to create a better company and a future partnership. And I'm a firm believer, you know, sort of what comes around goes around. Um, and I've worked with, you know, many of the employees, whether they're entrepreneurs or they just go off and do other things, uh, we tend to work with the same great people again and again. And whether that's in partnership with their future companies or as partners as they're in another company or as a future employee again. I think uh, the way you treat your employees really uh, speaks volumes. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, we're going to jump in the next section, but we're going to take a short break and sure. then and then talk about kind of um, employee feedback. So. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Waypoint. If you want to get your team aligned and you want to go from herding cats to a well-oiled machine, and if you're sick of the annual review process, then check out Waypoint. It's an elegant tool built for leaders just like you to help you invest in your people and unlock their true potential. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more. So, so this next section really is um, aimed at at kind of looking at what 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 your what your employees are saying about you and kind of what you think they what you would want them to say about you. So, you know, I looked up on Glassdoor and you guys the stats are like eighty one percent would recommend um, cognitive to a friend, eighty eight percent approve of CEO. Like these are great numbers. You guys have won like best best place to work, multiple outlets. You know, multiple years. Um, Inc. 5000, all of that. So it seems like everything's going well, like you guys aren't doing any wrong, right? Um, so so what I would say, I would start off, I don't want to start off on negative necessarily. So I would say, start off, what, what do you hope that your employees would say um, to their friends or whatever about working for Cognitive? Like, what would you hope that they would say about their, their job? Yeah, I, I would hope that they say it's a great place to work. Uh, it's very transparent. You know, and if, if you want the information, we'll give you the information. We give you the opportunity to learn. Um, we, you know, we, we treat the employees all really, really well. We're always trying to do, you know, sort of what's best for the employees and the future growth of the company that we can. Now, all that being said, we're a startup company. So by definition, we're resource limited, right? Um, so we can't do everything. Um, and there are, there are, one of the things we, we love to do, like we sort of mentioned earlier, we love to survey our employees and figure out what else we can be doing better. Now, Sometimes, you know, there, there, there's, there's certainly wish lists that we can't do right now. We can't, we can't let every employee work from home 100% of the time and, you know, give them bonuses every single month. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's not in the range of the reasonable right now. We're working on all that, but, you know, there are certain things that we can't do yet, uh, but that we think we'll be able to do sometime in the future. 
Um, so I would hope that they would say, you know, it's a hardworking group of very intelligent people who are passionate about their mission and our, the mission behind the company is really to change healthcare through the use of innovative technology. Um, and we are all very, very passionate about that. Um, I think that it's a very team oriented place. Um, we're very family oriented where, you know, family always comes first. Um, and that, that, you know, ultimately whether or not an employee worked out at this particular company, we had the highest degree of standards and ethics and, you know, passionate about what we're doing. Um, and, and our company culture is very, very important to us. So, yeah, one of the things you said, I think that's great. One of the things you said is that, you know, being a startup, you're resource limited. What, what do you feel like are other kind of hurdles to achieving all of that that you just said? Um, whether that's resource limited, maybe you have rapid growth. I know one of the things that rapid growth companies struggle with is they promote in their ranks, maybe someone that's a, a really good performer, they promote to manager and then they're managing a team. And then that can be troublesome because that maybe that person isn't a, as good a manager. And so then there's some, some kind of growing pains around that. So what would, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious, what would you say is kind of some of the hurdles or maybe how you've overcome some of those hurdles in your, in your rapid growth? Sure. Let me let me talk about two sort of e- external hurdles, which are our biggest challenges and have always been the biggest challenges since we've started and probably will always be the biggest challenges for the life of the company. And that is sales. So how do we get more business coming in? How do we continue to be you know, one of the fastest growing companies um, and hiring people, hiring great people? So um, with sale, you know, for both of those problems, we don't have any secret sauce or, you know, it's just a lot of hard work, nose to the grindstone. Um, in terms of sales, we've got a dedicated sales team. We've got great partners. We're you know focused on opportunities. But ultimately, um, at least today, given our business is federal government driven, we're at the whims of things like the presidential election mm-hmm. and the federal budget cycle and all that sort of stuff. So when federal government spending slows down for one reason or another, we feel that directly. Mm-hmm. and and that's that's a challenge. and you know we're working hard to diversify our business, but it doesn't happen overnight. The second big problem is uh, is recruiting, and mm-hmm. you know we don't really have any secret sauce there either, other than we think we have a great company. We we as we talked about focus on company culture and building company value. Uh, we also have a hundred percent internal dedicated recruiter um, whose sole focus is on you know finding great talent for the company. Mm-hmm. And it's like we do that hundred percent of the time. Um, two sort of internal problems that we face all the time. Being a small company, um, there's just not a tremendous number of places to, in terms of career path that you can go. So if you're a software engineer now and you wanted to be you know, a, a senior technical writer for whatever reason, we just don't have that many technical writers in the company. So it's, it's hard to sort of map out that kind of career path. You know, we can go from a junior software engineer to a senior software engineer, that's fairly natural. We just don't have, you know, like a big Fortune 500 company, we don't have thousands right. of positions and, and and you know tracks to, to be able to get you there. So that's that's a limitation of the company. Uh, the other thing that's been a challenge for us um, and that we're working on solving over time is the whole work at home thing. You know, lots of companies are going to sort of 100% work at home. Um, as a small company building our corporate culture and, and and a startup company moving quickly, we need to have the majority of staff here at the office available to rapidly get into meetings and we're, you know, we run an agile process on software development. So the daily standup calls and meetings and all of that. So we're working on ways that we can be more flexible on, on work at home. Um, and you know, again, we don't, we don't have that all solved yet. So that's another thing. And that's, that's a piece of feedback that we've regularly gotten from our employees and we need to figure out how to solve it. Yeah. 
Tell me about um, the kind of uh, the managers within your company or even you with your direct reports, kind of the coaching and, and relationship building or habits that you have around that or practices you have around that that you feel like have been beneficial, if any, um, to, to, to really – you know, I, I think really connect. That's what I'm hearing you say is like there's this high level of connectedness. There's a shared vision. There's very it's very transparent. But in the day to day, the mechanics like how does that actually work for you guys? And and what are some things that maybe you know listeners of the podcast could take away from here apart from what you've already said, but maybe on a, a habitual basis to do with their teams? Um, sure. So we you know we've got sort of a three person executive team, the three founders or the remaining founders in the company. Um, Rick, Emery, and myself, each of us run uh, sort of smaller teams based on what our expertise. Um, Emery, who is the doctor, is focused on product development and research and development, sort of the clinical expertise. Rick, who is the COO, is focused on sort of everything internally, so that's finance, HR, project management, delivery. And I am really the more externally facing, uh, so I'm responsible for sales, marketing, business development, strategy, board of directors and advisors, that sort of thing. Um, we've got then a, a next layer of management, which we call the management team, not surprisingly. Um, and each of those pers- each of those people are directors, and they've got direct reports that work with them. Every week we have a management team meeting where we talk about sort of any issues. We also talk about the strategic aspects of the company. Where are we going, our corporate values, what's working right, what's not working right, more importantly, um, and how do we fix that? How do we continue to scale not only um, the the staff but also the company culture? And you know, as we get bigger, there are there are things that we can do, um, and we've got more money to invest. So what are what are things that we want to and need to invest in? Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, we have monthly all hands meetings where we encourage people to talk. Uh, we're also starting to have the management team start to do the briefings, the quarterly briefings, not only to the board. But also to the employees, so we're sort of, you know, sort of enabling the management team to take over some of the roles that we have right now, and thus reinforcing this, this sort of next layer of management. Um, what we'll do going forward, the things that we haven't done yet that we know that we'll need to start doing in the future is we'll get the management team more involved in the uh, quarterly and yearly strategic planning that today the executive team does. Um, we'll also probably start doing you know sort of management offsites and those sorts of things you know, kind of that you, you would typically tend to find in bigger companies. Yeah, that's awesome. No, thank you very much. I think that's all very, very valuable. I thank you for being so transparent with us um, and sharing. Um, is there anything else you wanted to wanted to share, you know, as, as someone that's maybe growing a company that's like 50 people up to 100 people, you know, that anything else that you feel like is like not talked about enough or, you know, valuable insight? You know, for other, you know, in, in my in my sort of CEO networking group, um, one of the things we talk about, but I don't, I'm not sure a lot of entrepreneurs focus on or think about, is that at each level of growth, and and for me, it's really, you know, you kind of have the first, you know, five to ten people, and then you get up to like 25 to 50 people, and then 50 to 75 or 50 to 100. At each of those, maybe 50 person increments of growth, um, you see lots of different changes in uh, potentially the company culture, but also problems that you have, right? The problems that you have at 50 people are not the same that you had at 10 people and are not, and certainly not the same that you ha- you're going to have at 100 people or 150 people. And it's just sort of interesting that in every company I've been in, we've had sort of the same set of problems at 50 people and then the same next set of problems at 100 people and 150 people. 
Um, and I think that's an interesting thing to think about. And to other entrepreneurs, as you're going through it, you know, I really counsel getting an external board of advisors or external board of directors and a strong sort of mentoring group so that you can understand what other people are facing. And, and you know, the, the, it's not rocket science around the solutions to those problems, but anticipating them as you get to them um, so they're not surprises, I think is important. Is that, how do you go about getting that? I mean, how do, how do you get involved in that? I mean, is that just networking your connections and then just you know, meeting with regularly? Yeah, exactly. It's network, it's networking with other, you know, CEOs, CXOs. Um, you can join, you know, there are lots of CXO networking groups out there, um, you know, things like Vistage and other things. Um, but also just being involved in the community and, and going to other, you know, in, in San Diego, we've got, you know, a lean software uh, meetup group that that are there. You know, we've got industry consortiums around biotech, biopharma, you know, telecom, software, those sorts of things. I think just being a part of those things, um, meeting other entrepreneurs and other CEOs who've been there and done that and are doing it, um, I think are important. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Welcome to the Best Place to Work podcast, where we promise actionable tips from real business leaders on building amazing work cultures. Not tips from Google, but tips from the trenches of real-world businesses just like yours.